You're listening to a sermon preached at First Baptist Church in Farwell, Texas. We are committed to loving God, loving people, and going into the world to share the gospel. We pray you find this message both challenging and encouraging. I'm going to throw you just for a little bit of a loop uh, this morning. So uh, instead of John chapter 15, I want to invite you uh, to turn your Bibles to Luke. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42 is where we will spend our time this morning. How many of you would be honest and say at one point in your life or another, uh, you have run out of gas? Anybody? At one point in your life or another, you have run out of gas? Um. And you couldn't blame anybody else. It was, your own, it was your own fault, right? You know, no matter how busy or how deserted a road could be, if you run out of gas, someone is going to see you, right? It's like you, you can't do it and stay anonymous. Somebody you know is going to find out. They're going to hear about it. You can't hide. This morning, I want to talk to you about how authentic disciples need to constantly be refueled. How authentic disciples constantly need to be refueled. We're going to look at a story this morning of two authentic disciples, Mary and Martha. One of them recognized the need to be refueled, and the other one missed the opportunity. Wonderful story of these two authentic disciples. Several years ago, our boys were. In the middle of spring sports, we were doing track uh, twice a week and, and baseball uh, twice a week, sometimes three times a week. And, and, and we were in, in, in church activities, uh, just, we were just running like crazy. You know, parents, you know what that's like. You've, you've been there. Some of you are there right at this very moment. And and we just we and we were actually sharing one car at that time uh, in our life, and and we had a baseball game to get to, and we had just enough time to get there before the first pitch, and we had, in my opinion, just enough gas to get there. Now, in Kim's opinion, we had just enough time to get there, but not enough gas to get there. Well, I was driving, so my opinion won out. For a little while, we were driving towards Seymour, and we drive through Hamlin. It's when we lived in Hamlin, and we passed a gas station. She said, there's a gas station. Are you going to get gas? Like, no, we can, we can make it. We get to Stamford, and we pass a couple of gas stations, and at each one of them, she says, are you going to stop at that one? No, we can, honey, we can make it. We have just enough time, to which she would say, but we don't have enough gas, which I would say, yes, we do. With each town that we drove through and each gas station that we drove past, um, she reminded me that there was a gas station. And each time that she reminded me there was a gas station, I reminded her we have enough gas to get there. And then at about a half a mile outside of Seymour, 
we ran out of gas. To which my wife lovingly didn't say a word. She just sat there. What are we going to do now? Well, we were so close to the time of the baseball game that all the other parents were already ahead of us. There's no one else coming. We're thinking, man, we're, we're going to miss it. We're going to have to walk to the game. And so I start making phone calls. And I, I did not want to call anyone because I knew what was going to happen. I knew that they would give me a hard time and I would never hear the end of it, which is true. We called and several people that didn't answer the phone, didn't get the call, something happened. But, but all of a sudden, someone drives by. And it's one of the parents of one of the other baseball players. He stops. Is everything okay? Yes, everything is okay. We just ran out of gas. We passed, I don't know, 15 or 20 really good opportunities to fill up. And we passed them on by. Because our schedule that was our own fault had crammed ourselves into just, we had just enough time. Now we were out of gas and we were late. <laughs> you ever been there in life? We were out of gas and we were late and we had the embarrassment of running out of gas. Thankfully, we made it to the game and we didn't miss much of the game. Look with me in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. While they were traveling, he entered a village, this is Jesus, and a woman named Martha, sorry, woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, and she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary, and Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken from her. Father, speak to us this morning by your powerful word. Do what only you can do by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's in your son's precious and holy name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> My experience is very similar to how many Christians feel living on empty, in need of a spiritual refueling. And many times, not even sure what to do about it. We think we can make it week to week or day by day, but we leave no room for error, no room for temptations, no room for bumps in the road. And how many of you have lived long enough to know that when you leave no room, something is going to force its way in there? Anybody else? Over the course of my own spiritual journey, I've become very aware 
that if I don't connect, if I don't refuel with God on a daily basis, I run out of passion and I become very spiritually empty. When I'm spiritually drained, things feel different. Not a good different, but things feel like a bad different. It's like lights on the dashboard of your vehicle. When I'm spiritually empty, I have the light of anxiety flashing at me. I have the light of of, of, of worry flashing. I mean, I have, the, I have the gas tank light flashing. It is on empty. You can't drive another mile. I have the light on the dashboard of confused for direction flashing. I'm more selfish with my time. I get more impatient. I feel very distant. From God. Now, I don't think this is what Jesus had in mind in, in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 14. He calls Christians to be the light of the world. That, that's not what Jesus had in mind. Or when in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, I've come so that you may have life and have it in abundance. That's not what Jesus is saying, that we, that we would fill our lives so much that we cram him out, that we push him out, that we, we lose All ability to express the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of those things seem to go out the window when we are spiritually drained. I don't know what your warning signs are when you're spiritually drained, but I'm guessing we're somewhat the same, somewhat similar. I don't know about you, but I, I want to be spiritually different. That's my prayer. It's been my prayer for you this morning that we would be spiritually different than what a a Christian would look like that is spiritually drained. I want to be filled with more of Christ each day and less of myself. That's my prayer for us this morning. So so how do we get there? How How do we get to that place? Well, we have to identify the problem. And that problem, I believe, is no margin. We are living life with zero margin. I believe that most, if not all of us, have no margin in our lives. If we was, if we were to take a, a piece of paper, like a, a, a wide roll uh, school paper uh, with the three holes on the side, and you have the, you have the red line that's running uh, vertically, uh, that, that shows the margin. I believe if we was to lay our, our lives on top of that piece of paper, it would run edge to edge, side to side, and top to bottom with no, I mean, we'd be bleeding off the sides of those pieces of that piece of paper. But that's what many of our lives look like. Margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. Let me say that again. That's what margin is. Margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. Most of us have zero margin in our lives. How many things? Just, just, do, a, just do an inventory check of your life. How many things seems to fall under the category of necessary? If you are to prioritize your day or your week or your month, 
How many, how, how many of the things would just have to fit underneath one? It's like, no, 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 I, I have to do that. But, but I also have to do this, and I have to do this, and I have to do this. I mean, everything uh, seems to fall underneath one, the number one priority. We're living life with no margin. The truth is there's only three things that are necessary for us to survive. Eat, sleep, and use the restroom. That's it. I would like to put coffee in there somewhere, but I, I mean, just don't have to have it. But those are the three things that we need. Eat, sleep, and use the restroom. What do we have to do is we have to find balance between simply surviving and living life to no margin. Those are the extremes of the, of, of the pendulum swing, if you will. Just, just simply surviving and absolutely no margin where nothing or where everything is the number one priority in our life. We need to find the balance. And I, I really don't even like that word. We need to find what it is to be faithful in all that God has called us to do. Faithful in our schoolwork. Faithful in our family relationships. Faithful in our employment. Faithful in our walk with Christ. But so much is getting pushed out because Everything seems to be a priority. We're living life with no margin. Listen, God calls us to follow Him and not cram Him into our busy schedules. It's not what God's called us to do. He's not called us just to to fit Him in. The struggle isn't a new battle. This isn't something new that's just hit the 21st century. This is what I love about God's Word. God's Word is so relevant to to us today. This isn't something new. This has been going on for centuries. Look with me again in Luke chapter 10. I want want you to look at verse 38 and 39. While they were traveling, this is Jesus and the 12 disciples. As they were traveling, and, and, and you, you, you could possibly even assume there is a, a crowd with them. But, but if we were to just, just stick with Scripture, it's Jesus and the 12 disciples, okay? As they were traveling, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. Mary understood what was truly important as she stopped what she was doing to sit at the feet of Jesus and think of everything that had to be taken care of. Can you imagine? Wives, 13 grown men showing up at your house unexpected. <laughs> Can you imagine what that would be? What everything that would have to be done to be to invite them in. The food has to be cooked. Drinks have to be made. I'm quite certain because Lazarus lived there. There's probably clothes in the bathroom that have to be picked up. There's shoes next to the recliner that need to be, and next to the couch, and next to the bed. I mean, all of that stuff. Anybody else? Are you with me? What all has to be done before they're able to enjoy the guests? Martha invited them all in. Mary was part, she was there. 
She sat at the Lord's feet. She looked at all that had to be done. And she looked at Jesus Christ. And she went to his feet. Verse 40, look with me in verse 40. Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And of course, there are many tasks, right? There's a lot of things. There's a lot of things that have to be done. Priority list, number one, let's feed these guys. Let's make sure the house is clean. Let's make sure we have uh, something for them to drink. Let's make sure that they have some place to wash their hands and wash themselves. Martha was distracted by all these tasks. And she came up and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Don't you care that my sister has left me to clean up the mess, to cook the food, to fix the drinks, to prepare the, the, the water basin, to prepare for all of these people? Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to, to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. Martha was distracted. Listen to this. Those words is where so many of us are living who have no margin in our life. We live distracted by all of the number one priorities in our life. And think Martha was distracted. That's what it says there in verse 40. Jesus, the Son of God, is in her house, and she is distracted by the duties of the house. How crazy is that? How crazy is it that, that she has Jesus in her home, and yet she lets very important, I'm not saying that they're not important, but she lets very important things distract her from being at the feet of Jesus. Martha was busy doing some really good things, but Mary soaking up great things. You see the difference? Martha was busy doing good things. If we, was to, if we was to look at our list of all the things that we have to get done in a week, they're probably not bad things. They're probably good things. They're probably important things, things that we should be investing our lives in. But Mary was soaking up great things. She was soaking up the very words of Jesus Christ. Martha was sure that she was doing the right thing by going to Jesus and complaining, no doubt. But, but did you catch the warning signs that Martha, who is an authentic disciple, listen, she, she's, not, she's, not a, she's not a reprobate. She's not a, an unbeliever. She is an authentic disciple. But, but did you notice the warning signs? Did you notice the lights going off on the dashboard of her life that she is spiritually empty? Look again in verse 40 through verse 41. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, and she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. To which Jesus responds to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Her warning lights, if you will, were selfish, were anger, were anxiety, were overwhelmed. All of those were, were screaming at her as being spiritually empty. 
Listen, I believe the best things in life happen in the margin. What happens when margin decreases? Now, think about it. If the best, and I believe this is true, that the best things happen in the margin, what happens when margin decreases? When margin decreases, stress increases. When margin decreases in our life, anxiety increases. When margin decreases, relational intimacy decreases. When margin decreases, you become too busy for God and too busy for people. Now think about it. When we become too busy for God because we have all these other high-priority things and we become too busy for people, which is exactly where Martha was at, Think how that flies in the face of the greatest commandment, the first and second greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. She was too busy, too distracted, no margin. So here's a question I want to challenge you with this morning. If the problem of being spiritually drained is caused by living with no margin, then what is getting in the way? What is filling up your margin that is more important than feasting at the feet of Jesus? If the problem of being spiritually drained is caused by living with no margin, then what's filling up your margin? Listen, I'm not talking about just existing. That's not what God's called us to do. He's not called us just to exist. He's called us to be productive. He's called us to be active. He's called us to be faithful in all of these areas, but in all of these areas of life, they can't push out God. And that's what living with life is doing, with no margin is doing. Listen, realize that Jesus is the power source to our life. Realize that Jesus is the power source. He created us to do more than eat, sleep, and go to the restroom. He created us to be productive, not busy. Hear me. I'm not saying He's created us to be busy. He's created us to be productive. He created us to be creative. He is the power source. So what do we do? How do we stay connected to the power source? I'm going to give you three things. Number one is this, how we stay connected to the power source so that as an authentic disciple, we can be fueled. Number one is this, start. Number two is this, stop. And number three is worship. Start, stop, and worship. Let me give those to you again. Start your day with prayer and thanksgiving. How much time? I don't know. I I don't want to get legalistic about it, but I do think you should start your day with prayer of thanksgiving. How much time do you need? I don't know. You decide how much time you need and start your day that much earlier. But I don't have enough time. Then you're not allowing for any margin. Start your day with prayer and thanksgiving. Start your day with prayer of repentance. Start your day with a prayer of repentance. Start your day with commitment to your dependence on Him. And start your day with God's Word. 
You can do that. There's so many wonderful ways that you can do that. You can do that through podcasts. You can do that by just the old-fashioned way, just simply opening up your Bible and spending some time in in God's Word. But as you're getting ready, you already have a a system in the morning to get ready, but as you're getting ready, you can start your day with worshiping by turning off the news and turning on some worship music. I'm telling you, that simple step alone will change your day. Turn off the news. Not that I'm anti-news. I love the news. But if I listen to the news the very first thing in the morning, I am depressed the rest of the day. Anybody else? And I want to save that depression for a time where I can kind of handle it. Start your day in God's Word. You already have a system going on throughout the morning. Just add, add a podcast where somebody is, is teaching the Word of God or somebody's just walking through the Word of God or just simply listening to the Word of God on I mean, old school on tape or, or listening to the Word of God on, a, on, on a, the version app. There's so many different ways you can add this to your, or to your schedule already. I would say make it a priority, number one, to start your day with prayer of thanksgiving, a prayer of repentance, with committing to your dependence on him and committing to spending time in his word. So that's start. What's the stop? Stop. Throughout the day, stop. Make or create some small stopping points throughout the day to meditate on the word that you heard that morning. Maybe it's, maybe it's one word out of a portion of scriptures that you read that morning. Maybe it's one portion of that scripture. It's not that you have to memorize all of it. Maybe just, just for one day, just meditate several times throughout the day. Just take a moment, simply 30 seconds, a minute of just meditating on that word and praising God for that word. So start, stop, and then third is this, worship intentionally commit to daily search for and praise God for his goodness. This is different than first thing in the morning. But this is as you go throughout the day. It's intentionally looking for and committing to searching for for things that you can praise God for. For that somebody that you see or or his creation or for for just anything that you can give God praise for. Start, stop, and worship. I believe that prayer, starting your day with prayer, prayer of thanksgiving, prayer of repentance, is so difficult because we don't understand what it's like to communicate with somebody that's not sitting across a table from us or somebody that can immediately respond with a text or an email. That's kind of, you think of the three ways that we communicate with each other. We communicate face-to-face. We communicate over voice or through text messaging or, or through social media. Let me give you an example. If you're a texter, probably most of us are here. How many of you get frustrated at slow responses to a text message? I'm guilty. Sometimes I'm slow at responding. But sometimes it's just really quick. It's just a a quick question. You know you can get a a really quick answer. How many of you get frustrated at that? How many of you have kids, you text them, and you're like wanting an answer immediately, right? We get frustrated at that. What keeps us from connecting with God? Is it time? Is it noise? 
I think both of those are true. Is it guilt from our sins? I believe many people feel like they, they're just so guilty from a, a sin that they've been struggling with that they just they don't go to God, they don't communicate with Him. This is a whole lot like it, but many people don't communicate with God because they think that He is mad at them and that He doesn't want to communicate with them. But I think the biggest one is number five. The fifth reason I think that most people don't communicate with God is we can't hear Him respond to us. Now, let me explain that for just a moment. When we pray, we don't hear His voice communicating back to us. Now, think about it. When you have a conversation with somebody, especially face-to-face or whether it's with text or phone, you hear something, you see something, you get some kind of response. Even if you're sitting across the table from someone and they don't say anything, you know that they're listening just by a nod of a head or, or some, there's some body language that says they're listening. But when we pray, we don't see that. We don't get that voice coming back to us. So, so what is it? What is it that lets us know that God hears us when we pray? Listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm passionately trying to encourage you to spend more time communicating with God, with refueling with God. Think about it. Mary and Martha both were in the presence of Jesus. And Mary chose to sit at his feet, and Martha chose to complain. And I'm telling you, we have, just as Mary and Martha had, we have Jesus in our very presence today. And we can go to him at any moment of any time of the day, but most of us don't for multiple reasons that I've laid out. Let me ask you a couple of questions. What is more important, that God, that God answers my prayer with a yes that God answers my prayer with a no? Or that God answers my prayer with a wait? Or that God hears my prayer? The most important out of those four things, yes, no, wait, or the knowledge of knowing that God hears my prayer, the most important is this, that the creator of the world hears your prayer. Listen, God is never too busy to hear your prayer. He is never too shocked by what you are going to bring him to go, I don't want to deal with that right now, maybe later. God hears our prayer. How do we know that? Well, number one, I want to share a couple of scriptures with you. First is this, God invites us. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us this. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, just write this down and follow along with me on the screen. Therefore, listen to this, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. We have been invited into the presence of the very God of the universe so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. How do we know that God hears our prayers? Number one, he has invited us to bring our prayers to him. We have been invited, been invited to come with boldness. Number two, God provides for us. John chapter 14, verse 27. Listen, God not only invites us, but he provides for us. John chapter 14, verse 27 says this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. He 
provides peace. He has invited you to come into his presence. And he provides peace. Let me share another one with you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything. Listen to what he says. But in everything. He's not saying avoid. He's not, trying, he's not saying mask. He's saying don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer, through petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Bring your request to God. Bring everything to Him. All the things that you worry about, all the things that create anxiety, all the things that stress you out, bring your request to God. And look at this. Here's His provision. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So think about it. As you're communicating with people through text, through phone call, or sitting across the table, you get some type of response. What is the response when we're talking to God? The response to get from God is this, peace. Peace is the confirmation of knowing that God has heard my prayer. Peace. Now, here, listen. Not necessarily comfort. Not necessarily happiness but peace. Peace is the nod of the head that God has heard our prayer. Peace is the response to the text message that God has heard our prayer. Peace is the, is the voice on the other line, other end of the line, that God has heard our prayer. Listen, God desires, God longs to connect with us. Think of Adam and Eve in the garden. He created us. And he created us with an opportunity to walk with him, to fellowship with him. That's what Adam and Eve had the opportunity to do, to walk into fellowship. But sin broke that fellowship. So what did God do? God sent a Savior for the purpose of saving us. So we're no longer broken from that relationship. We're no longer set apart from that relationship, but so that we can be one in that relationship, so we can walk in fellowship with God day by day, moment by moment. And how foolish of us if we're so busy with no margin in our lives that we push Jesus out. Oh, listen, authentic disciples recognize the need to be refueled. And I'm pleading with you this morning that each of us who call ourselves followers of Christ would daily sit at the feet of Jesus and be refueled. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. If you'd like more information about our church or have any questions regarding the sermon you just heard, we would love to hear from you. You can visit our website at www.fbcfarwell.org or send an email to info at fbcfarwell.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching FBC Farwell. It is our prayer that the sermon you listened to was equally challenging and edifying to your walk with Christ. Thank you again for listening and have a blessed week.